And welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I am Optimus Gavin. Oh, podcasters, roll out. I personally think you have a great Optimus Prime. So that was a good one. That was a way to mix it up and not even close to Australian this week. <laughs> it, it's it's uh, two generations away of, from the Australian caricature. I like it. I like it. So how are you this morning? I'm doing I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Good. But I misspoke. Technically, it's afternoon now. Uh, but, you know, it's Saturday, so it's kind of time blends together for those it's of us that somewhere. aren't at work. Yeah. 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 Or in our sweats. Or I uh, wear sweats to work. I'm wearing sweats right now. I have really nice joggers. Uh, and uh, one of the event people that works in the office, she tried to call me out on it, like as if they were sweatpants. I was like, no, 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 no. These are Abercrombie and Fitch, like hundred dollar joggers. These are nice pants. They're just comfortable because I don't need to be sitting in suit pants, you know, all day being uncomfortable. Yeah. So, hey, you want to wear joggers or sweatpants? You go for it. As I mean, are they like... Well, what kind? Uh, I'm actually not wearing sweatpants, but if I were, I would be wearing the whole sweat matching outfit yeah. like Rocky Balboa from Heck. Rocky 1. Heck yeah. No, 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 no. Forget that. Okay, yeah. So you do Rocky 1. I would do Rocky in Rocky 4 where it's got like, you know, the it's like the Italian colors, I think, on the shoulders. They actually yeah. sell it on the Sly Stallone shop that, you know, <laughs> it's like black. And then I think it's got like the Italian flag colors on the, shor- the shoulders. On you the know shoulders, what I'm talking yeah. about? I know exactly what you're talking Heck about. Yeah. Those, those, you're talking high class sweatpants. That's there. what I'm talking about, dog. And if anybody's to be like, oh, you wear it to work. I'm like, this is more expensive than your suit, homie. There you go. You need to start doing this early on in your in your first 90 days at work. 110%. So uh, we actually do have some news today. Uh, I will go first because uh, we have officially launched the new page <clears throat> of the podcast on Instagram. So that will be the one to follow from now on. And once again, that's at Martial Arts Mania Podcast. Once again, at Martial Arts Mania Podcast. So if you're following us on our previous page, which is my personal account, please go over and give us a follow on the new one and tell your friends about us. Uh, We're really trying to expand, grow the podcast. Once again, we're going to be at LA Comic Con uh, first weekend of December. We're excited to see all you guys there. And we have an official new logo designed by the Union Designs, and it is straight fire. So... Uh, they did our previous design as well, which I loved, but I was like, you know what? Uh, I wanted to update it to something that was just caught the eye a little bit more uh, and, you know, had a little more relevance to the genre. And so we went through multiple drafts and it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, and some ideas here and there. And then out of nowhere, they just send me that one. Boom. And we're like, heck yeah. So I I really, Uh it's really cool. It's got like a Wu-Tang Clan influence, black and yellow Bruce Lee colors. Uh, you know, Kung Fu pose, microphone nunchucks. Come on. Hey, you, know, you know, it's really funny. Is you, you, you said you want something that's going to catch the eye. This one's going to do double takes. If, uh, if you're driving down the freeway and you see a billboard with this, it could cause accidents. It's that good. It's, it's not only going to catch the eye, it's going to punch the eye and then kick the throat. Yes, and the only way to heal from those injuries will be to listen to the podcast. Exactly, the especially today's episode. Anywho, mm. you have some exciting news uh, about some of our listeners and friends of the podcast. Why don't you go yes, ahead and share? Indeed. 
Well, as you, uh, as one of our listeners, uh, friend and my former colleague, former boss, James, James, I don't know if I, can I drop us? I'll drop his old name. James Fayette That's right. is running in the New York City Marathon tomorrow, which when you listen to this will be two days or three days ago. Uh, anyway, want to wish him the best of luck. And uh, he sent me a message today, a very nice message, saying that he's been listening to us as he trains for the for the run. So uh, honored to be along on the on the ride with him. Yeah, that's marathons are no joke. I don't know how you know people like to give me credit for the, some of the stuff I do. I'm like, no, marathons are insane how far people are running. So my hat's off to you, James. We uh, hope you have a lot of fun. That's all we hope for. No need to wish luck because I'm sure you're going to do fantastic. And it's interesting because I usually listen to music when I run. Uh, speaking of which, today, uh, my headphones went like wacky. It was crazy. Anywho, uh, occasionally, though, I will listen to a podcast. Just kind of, especially if it's in the past, if it was like a longer you know, form jog. And occasionally it's just like, you know what? Just like you mix up the genre of music sometimes. Usually I like kind of fast paced, almost like techno, uh, pump you up music. But occasionally I like more mellow or occasionally I will listen to a podcast. The thing is, I, I, it definitely has to be a less intense. So like a longer form run, which a lot of times with a marathon, that's what you're doing, right? It's not a sprint. You know, it's, it's definitely long form. So that's where I can listen to a podcast because I like to actually, when I, my podcast I listen to, I like to, uh, retain the information. So if yeah. I'm doing something too fast, too intense, I, you know, I'm not going to remember anything. So uh, it is interesting though. But uh, yeah, and I'm sure everybody has their own taste when they go jogging or exercising. Every once in a while in the gym, I'll just purposely not use my headphones. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to work out without music. I mean, there's always music playing in the gym. That will be a depending factor though too because it has to be, the background music has to be at least something I can, you know, be okay with. So like, like Avril Lavigne. Oh yeah, man. Avril Lavigne and Nickelback any day of the week. I'll actually take my headphones off, throw them in the trash can and just (laughs) rock out. Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. But Hey, as I always say, I give Nickelback a bunch of credit because they are fantastic musicians because I saw them. It was when I was in college, it was the rock and roll hall of fame, uh, induction for ZZ top. And they did like a melody of their songs and I remember watching that and being like, Nickelback, you guys can freaking rock. Like uh, the, the lead singer guy, I forget his name, Chad something, was shredding it on the guitar. And well, as they know, did Sharp Dressed Man, like he was, you know, he was doing the whole solo and everything. I'm like, holy crap. You know what we're going to do is when we post this episode, the hashtags will be James Fayette, New York City Marathon, Nickelback. Link those three together for life. Oh man, we're gonna. Good thing I started that new page because we're gonna get so many followers. We're gonna get that verified Off check. Of that. There but you go. On Twitter, you're gonna have to, you know, pay Elon pay, Musk pay eight bucks. bucks. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the the other news I have is, uh, you know, my sister, she, uh, executive director over at uh, the Nisei Veterans Memorial Center in Maui. Uh, they're having their annual dinner with uh, their keynote speaker being. Star of Karate Kid 2, star of uh, Cobra Kai season three, I believe, or was it four? I think three. It would have been when three, you go yeah. To Okinawa. Yeah. Uh, Tamlin Tomita. So looking forward to some photos uh, uh, of my sister with Tamlin. Yeah. And we can only hope that she comes back for uh, what would be season six? Six. Six yeah. or the movie. If, if whatever, it, she has to, right? I mean, yeah. Chosen. Yeah, because Chosen, chosen is, to, uh, you know. Left that message. Yeah, left the message. So we got to see. Uh, the rest of that, but that's awesome. That's so cool. Uh, is, now, is your sister like friends with her? Uh, I 
I don't. I. I don't believe so. Mm-hmm. I believe that it was uh, she reached out on a professional level. I know that when I worked at the Japanese American Cultural and Community Center, I did get to meet her through some of my friends, and and we we have been cordial. But uh, she's always super friendly, and I, I think we obviously most of us know her through her movies. But right. her uh, her work with nonprofits and philanthropy is is quite significant uh in referring to tamlin tomita uh, you know going to the nisei veterans in maui but she also to also used to uh help the japanese american culture and community center the japanese american national museum both uh you know cultural stewards within the los angeles community and southern california and even nationally so she she's a a major proponent of uh helping out nonprofits and cultural organizations. That's awesome. And you know, you, you hear all that and you hear everything she's accomplished both professionally and that. And then it's just like, wow, what have I done? Uh, I held the door open for somebody the other day. So, and you listen to, and you listen to Nickelback and, uh, no, wait, no, we didn't say Live. that. <laughs> we didn't say that. I, I've, I've heard them in the past. This is true. I just say, I've, I think they are very talented musicians, uh, not necessarily going to find them on any of my playlists. We're going to every every film we talk about today. There may be a few. I'm going to find a way to slip in Nickelback. Yeah. And no. Don't worry. I won't. Wait, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want my microphone blocked. That's OK. So uh, do you have any movie quotes for me today? Indeed, I do. Oh, uh, the first one. All right. Is on a piece of paper. Over here. OK. I prepared two from this film and. Uh, I'm going to go, I don't know what I'm, I'm going to go with, but I'm going to go with one. This is the easy one. These are both, both easy. Uh, hey, didn't that Panamanian deal go smooth as silk? Well, all right then. Excellent. At first I was like, wait, what? But yeah, uh, that would be <laughs> one of our uh, previous Kung Fu comfort films, Honor and Glory. There you go. Yeah, nice. Good choice. Good choice. I like it. Okay, so that was the easy one. What is the difficult one? The difficult one I had to write out twice. It's a little extensive, but I'm going to speak it out. What we're doing here is shadow punching. I want your punches to push. I I want them to be shorter. I want you to shorten the contraction time down just like this so the opponent doesn't have a chance to ride it. Rib shot, head shot, bang, crack. Okay, put him up. That is also, I'm not sure if it's been one of our previous uh, comfort films. We've definitely done an episode on this film, though. Uh, and that would be Rage and Honor 2. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. I, the, the Australian accent helped, but actually the funny part is I can visually, even if you weren't doing the accent, once you got a few into it, I can, you know, I know it's seen it. It's the training sequence. And as yeah. we talked about, I can just watch that scene over and over again. Richard Norton is such a phenomenal, not only performer, actor, stunt director, et cetera, et cetera, but uh, instructor and teacher of the martial arts. Uh, And it's kind of a crossover in this scene because you're seeing him do a little bit of everything. Obviously, he would be technically choreographing the quote unquote action on screen in this sense. But I mean, he's acting and he's also teaching. It's, It's more so it's like a moment for him to perform being kind of himself. 
Yeah, it's it's actually for me one of the most authentic training sequences based on our experiences. I mean, you can see that uh, Sugarfoot curriculum in the in the shadow punching segment, but uh, I, I wanted to make sure the quote got the whole way down to put him up because just in case there was any question, what film this was from, put your put bloody up. hands up. Oh, keep exactly. your bloody hands up. There we go. Yeah. How many times I got to tell you? Well, those were great quotes. I like it. I got both. That's good. Good for me. Good, good start job. to the episode. So today we are doing uh, an addition to our Kung Fu Comfort Films and Gavin's cashing in his uh, get out of jail free card in a sense because in our previous yeah. one, I didn't even tell him. We just started recording. I said, guess what? It's, <laughs> it's you today because I didn't have time. This week, Gavin's been very busy. So I volunteered to do a list of my five Kung Fu comfort films. And once again, this was just established last night. So I made this list uh, this morning pretty much. But uh, now I went back and luckily I wrote down my list from the previous episode. Now we do have a tendency when we're doing our quote unquote listicles or top fives mm -hmm. or top tens to change at the very last second or sometimes while we're recording. So if I do uh, happen to one of these ones I picked was on one of my previous ones and I added it at the last second, I apologize. Uh, you'll get the chance to hear me talk about it again. But from this point forward, there shouldn't be any more repeats as uh, I'm going to make sure I don't change them after I've written them down. So I don't think so. I think I picked some unique ones just to be safe. But uh, in no particular order, except for the last one, I will kind of will be my number one for today. I'm going to pick yeah. five Kung Fu comfort films. So once again, for people that haven't heard our previous episodes on the Kung Fu comfort films, these are movies that are our go-tos when we just need something to watch uh, that, you know, even if it's background noise or even just to make us feel good or that nostalgia factor or, you know what, I've had a crappy day. I just want something that makes me feel happy. A movie I've always enjoyed watching. They're also the kind that I can put on any time, like even if I just want to watch some action. Sometimes I may just go to some of these movies, watch the fight scenes and then go work out. It's like, I just need to pump mm -hmm. me up. So it's any and all of these these elements rolled into one. It's also the kind of films that if you want to introduce somebody to the genre or you could put on any time, even if I happen to just watch it last week, if someone sees it in my collection and is like, oh, I want to watch it, I'll be like, cool, we'll watch it. I can watch it every week. So these are kind of the criteria for picking a Kung Fu comfort film. So uh, are you ready for me to get going? Oh, I am ready. So I think I mentioned on one of the previous ones that I was going to try to not do more than one documentary per list because there's so many. I love watching martial arts documentaries. I actually wrote a whole paper in grad school on them uh, just because they're so fascinating with, you know, sometimes that they're more just like montages mm -hmm. of fight scenes. They mm -hmm. don't really necessarily reveal any new information. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I, I actually tallied up like all the different Bruce Lee ones I can count. And I, I was at around like 25 and those were like uh -huh. kind of actual real productions, not even just these makeshift ones you can find anywhere. I'm talking about like real released on VHS back in the day. But, uh, speaking of which my number five choice is Bruce Lee, the legend from 1984 released by Golden Harvest and quote-unquote directed by Leonard Ho, who was, uh, as everybody knows, the, the co-kind of founder of Golden Harvest with Raymond Chow. So how much he actually directed or more so just putting it together. Because once again, there are interviews in this one that they actually filmed for it, but it's a lot of stock footage uh, and so forth and with great narration. So uh, I can tell you the exact day I watched this for the first time. And Ooh. that would have been... December 25th, 1999, oh. because that's when I got the Bruce Lee VHS box set 
from Costco. Uh, who, who gave you the Who gave you the Christmas gift? My mom. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it was, and I just I went. I think that same year, yes, so that would have been the same year I also got a 13-inch VCR combo TV for my room. So mm-hmm. it was just like the most amazing Christmas. I was like, what the heck's going on? What? So I remember bringing so, up the TV. And for people that don't know, a 13-inch VCR combo TV, it's like the size of, that screen size, is, keep in mind, like the size of most people's laptops, if not smaller, actually. Yeah, smaller, well, a little more square. Uh, but it's so convenient because you could carry it anywhere, particularly with the VCR is like affixed to oh, well, it. Well, no, you couldn't carry this thing anywhere, man. It was heavy as hell. Remember, this is old school TV, <laughs> like with the built-in oh, VCR. So okay. Yeah. So it, it, it was, it was heavy. I mean, but you are correct. It you was, could put, you could put it in your back seat though. You could in a car. Yeah. We would yeah. do that on road trips. We had an 11 inch one, uh, that we had put in the suburban, uh, and hook up, and then my my brothers and I would sit in the very back row. We'd fold down the middle one. It was the only way you'd ever catch us all sitting next to each other. And we'd use that when we'd drive up to Lake Tahoe, which was like a three and a half hour drive. Of course, in retrospect, my older brother and I were talking about. It. He's like, you realize when he, you know, because he used to hook it up, and you had to like plug it up into the front uh, uh-huh. with the cigarette lighter. <laughs> Uh, adapter and so the funny part is he's like you know the way that thing was wedged in there and with the cord uh, he's like if mom ever had to slam on the brakes that tv would have come flying towards us and you know my little brother was always in the middle because he was technically the smallest and it's like yeah that that would have definitely caused some damage (laughs) so uh regarding bruce lee the legend Mm -hmm. the documentary yes what sets this one apart from the 20 to 100 others. So what uh, is it for this one for you? Shortly, remember in the 70s, shortly after Bruce died, they did the first version of uh, this documentary. So this is kind of technically uh, a follow-up to their original one they did, which was, uh, uh, so not Bruce Lee, The Man, The Myth, obviously. That was a previous entry of mine that is a Bruce Lai film. But, uh, oh, I'm trying to blank now on the title of that one because I didn't see that one until years later. Uh Bruce Lee and it's kind of almost uh let's see here maybe I can look it up real quick it's going to come to me as I'm looking it up uh not Bruce Lee the legend oh this is what a bummer okay hold on Do, 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 do. Oh, that is so frustrating. I think I have it somewhere on my DVD shelf right here, actually. That would be the smarter thing to do. Oh, this is going to be so annoying. It's like, so this is Bruce Lee, the legend. That one was Bruce Lee, not the man, the myth. It was Bruce Lee. Uh, Our listeners should note that earlier. While AJ was speaking about this, he said shortly after Bruce died, as though he's on a first name basis with the legend, Mr. Lee. Hold on. I see it on my shelf. Give me a second. Okay. I'm just trying to look it up. I apologize, everyone. One man. No, so wait. Seeking. Bruce, it is. Wait, hold on. One man. Oh my God, it doesn't say truth. it on here. It's all, look at this. It's all in Chinese. <laughs> so it only has the Bruce Lee, the legend title on there, not the original one. Dang it. Okay, hold on. It is a special feature in my, this is ridiculous. Hold on. 
He's going to go put on the DVD now and watch it. He'll be back in 90 minutes. No, 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 no. Hold on. Uh, I'm going to find it. Bruce Lee, the man and the legend found it. The man and the legend. See, I knew it was something close. I apologize, everybody. I should have known that off the top of my head, but really, I didn't grow up watching that one. Anywho, let's go back to what's significant. So Bruce Lee, the man, the legend was the original one. So this was kind of the follow up to it. Uh, In that first one was more like an experimental film, like the 1960s style. There was a lot of kind of cool, intricate, stylish, like weird montage sequences of like pictures of Bruce and stuff. And it had a much more melancholy feel because it was really kind of closer to the time of his death and a lot of the funeral footage and Linda Lee and the kids and it's just kind of depressing this one though the one I'm talking about that's on my list is a lot more fun It, it kind of it's a tribute to Bruce as the legend by that point he had become this is 1984 so you know remember most of bruce's fame came posthumously outside of uh the asian markets so by this point he was already uh, you know a legend and so they kind of focused more on that and it had great music uh great montages and editing fantastic narration and it had a lot of great golden harvest footage from both bruce's pictures but also other films from their library. So by this point, mm-hmm. they were able to, when they were giving martial arts references, they'd show clips from their own movies. So like you got to see, it was my first time ever seeing clips from Warriors 2. Uh, they talk about at the end, like up and coming stars, like Jackie Chan, and they show a fight scene from Winners and Sinners with him and Sammo Hung, which is amazing. And I was like, oh, I want to see that movie. Keep in mind, I'm only 12. It's the late 90s. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and like they use the Warriors 2 to demonstrate Wing Chun and so forth. They use uh-huh. clips from... Uh, I'm trying to think what other ones off the top of my head they use. Oh, Duel to the Death. Uh, so that was my first time seeing clips from that movie as well. Uh, they have a couple, like they have a great interview with Nora Mao, uh, some other good interview footage. Uh, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. And it's, you know, it's much more uplifting. And it's just great because I can put it on and have it as background noise. And I know when I hear certain parts, oh, cool, I'm going to go and watch. They actually have two martial artists demonstrating uh, Jeet Kune Do curriculum. I mean, it's literally straight out of the book and it's two uh, probably just Hong Kong stuntmen doing it. So I'm not saying they're authentic Jeet Kune Do guys. I'm just saying it's a lot of fun. And then they they do like parallels between, oh, uh, one of the fight scenes from Fist of Fury and how it was directly out of his Jeet Kune Do curriculum. And uh, it's, it's just all encompassing. And I feel like there's a lot more time to digest all the information of Bruce that, you know, came out even shortly after his death, even when like, obviously the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, which was released posthumously, which gave people a lot more exposure to the writings that influenced him, mm-hmm. uh, and his notes on the martial arts. Once again, this was not a book Bruce wrote, but that was released after his death, a uh, kind of a combination of his notes. So I feel like there was just a lot more for them to go off of at that point. And people were, there's a lot more audience familiarity with him. And this one was made for obviously all markets. That first one, seemed to be more so, even though there was the English language version of it, then there was a Mandarin language version of it. Uh, every copy I've ever found of Bruce Lee, the man and the legend, the first one, I have never found a Cantonese copy of it, which is strange. Uh, but it, it was, you know, I think it was primarily for the Chinese markets. I, you know, I could be wrong. 
and that one definitely does have some cool behind the scenes footage of certain people in Bruce's life, like Dan and Asano and stuff. Uh, and some of that is used in Bruce Lee, the legend. But I think that's just the way I like it. I mean, it's Bruce Lee, but I don't have to sit down and concentrate on watching an actual Bruce Lee film if I just want some background noise. But and it's and it's just like it's like a music video in the sense of you get like an action montage and then a break. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it's very it's stimulating, yet can also just be completely uh out of my peripheral and I'm cool, even just listening to it, to it, the audio, it's another nostalgia factor. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the theater of the mind. I can hear the stuff, even if I'm not looking and it triggers those memories where it's, as I said, I either want to get up and go back and watch it, or I can keep doing what I'm doing or even visually just know what's going on on screen. That's fair. I like that. I like, I like that idea. And I like that it links back to a really special Christmas for you where you got this box set and also the TV VCR. It, it's funny. These these comfort films may or may not click with everybody for us. And everybody has their own comfort films because so often they're linked to where we were at the time when we first saw it. Yeah. There's, there's something really special for 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 these for these films that that link to memories and also are hit all check all the boxes when it comes to what a comfort film is for us. Yeah, and it's uh it's interesting because there's, you know, obviously I've seen most of the classic martial arts films from Golden Harvest, Shaw Brothers. It's taken a lot of them have been in the last decade as they become more available. Uh, but there's some I still haven't watched. And as I mentioned on previous episodes, I've done that on purpose just so every few years I can watch a new one. And it's because they don't make them like this anymore. Right. So it's my chance to like get a new movie like that. That being said, there's certain films that when I'll watch them for the first time, I'll watch them. I might enjoy them a little bit, but I'll even say to myself, wow, I bet if I saw this as a kid, it would be that nostalgia factor that stuck with me and I would love it still to this day. So it's kind of a a reverse effect there. But uh, yeah, that's my first entry, Bruce Lee, the legend. Check it out if you can, folks. Excellent. Okay. Where where can, do you know where people can check this out? Well, so eventually it's funny that I, I, this DVD I just showed you, which has both Bruce Lee, the legend and Bruce Lee, the man and the legend I picked up uh, in Hong Kong. I want to say it was, uh, at the big Buddha uh, exhibit, like, because they have a little gift shop and they had some DVDs and I found this one. Uh, Obviously, this is only going to play on a region-free player. Uh, And the way I finally found the title, though, was the Criterion Collection of the, you know, all the Bruce Lee films that I'm showing Gavin right now. That Mm -hmm. one, as a special feature, has Bruce Lee, the man and the legend, but doesn't have... Bruce Lee, the legend. So, and it used to be on Amazon Prime to for free, but I think you can rent it on there and or purchase it on there. But don't quote me on that. Okay, so what I'm hearing, I just got to get on a plane and head on over to the the Big Buddha uh-huh. exhibit. Uh huh. All right. All right. Perfect. I'm on Let's it. do it. All right. All right. So my Number next two. one. Uh, this is uh, a great one, and I know you've seen this one. Well, I'm pretty sure and enjoyed, and that's going to be. The 1993 or 94, depending on the sources and the name that's released mm-hmm. under, I'm going to go with the title that I had it under, Death Fight, starring <laughs> Richard Norton, also known wow. as Rage, starring Richard Norton. So hence why the two different like release dates. Uh, and this is an extremely low budget uh 
shot in Southeast Asia film. It's set in Thailand, and I think this one actually does film in Thailand and the Philippines, maybe. A lot of these were filmed yep. in the Philippines and the Philippines substituting for Vietnam, Thailand, wherever, but I'm pretty sure this one uh, shoots in Thailand. Like, if I was to go back and rewatch it right now, I could definitely be like, oh yeah, that's Thailand. And that's why I'm 99% sure it actually does shoot in Thailand, but it may also have shot stuff in the Philippines. But uh, yeah, so it's a low-budget B movie starring Richard Norton, uh, Chuck Jeffries, and uh, as a villain, we have Mr. Ron Vreekin. Yes. And I bring him up because that's one of the significant factors of this film. So you've seen this one. Yes. Duh. Uh, I've seen this one. I love this one. I It took me a really long time to find it. Uh, when I was uh, living in the Adams District in, in Los Angeles, there was a video store very near uh, USC. Mm-hmm. I went in one day. They had a bunch of Richard Norton movies. I mean, just a bunch of like straight to video movies. It was like, it was a, it was a gold mine and I could not rent from them. They wanted like, oh, you've told me ID. about this. Yeah. yeah. This is the story. Two forms of ID, like a bill, et cetera. So like I, and also like cash down. And the guy had such a bad attitude, but I was like, I will not let his attitude deter me. Even though I like felt the the blood inside me boil, so I went home, brought all the stuff. He seemed surprised that I brought all the stuff, and after that, he was like really happy that I was running movies. But death uh, for me, it was Death Fighter, yeah. not Rage, when I first saw it. And I think you're going to talk about that Ron Verwegen, uh fight scene yeah. because that is just a cut above. So for me. Uh, this was part of like once DVDs became the new norm, a bunch of old martial arts movies would get released. And the funny part is because I think it was cheaper to make these hard plastic cases that were slightly bigger. <laughs> there were these clear plastic cases that if you if you even dropped this thing like an inch onto a table, they would crack and fall apart. These big the ones, hard and, plastic. Uh, uh, yeah, the hard clear plastic, and along the side of the edge, it just said DVD, 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 DVD. Any younger listeners aren't going to know what we're talking about, but. Uh, so I bought it, I, I want to say maybe at the warehouse or something. Once again, okay. dating, you know, that was a, a music store, very popular in malls that uh, towards the end also sold. And I think maybe they sold VHS too, but most of my yeah. movie shopping was done in Suncoast Video. But I, for some reason, I have this weird memory of getting this one at uh, the warehouse. That, that could be wrong. But anywho, Death Fight, Richard Norton, uh, that's the version I had as well. Basic premise is Richard Norton plays uh, a very successful businessman that's raised in Thailand. His parents are murdered, so he's raised by his godfather, uh, who's played by a well-known Filipino character actor. I can't think of his name. He was the uh, the coach in Blood Fist and, and the, the lead villain in Blood Fist 2. But uh, <laughs> anywho... He pretty much gets framed for murder and then has to prove his innocence because his evil stepbrother is trying to take over the family corporation. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a setup for a bunch of action. Once again, really stellar action. Obviously, Richard Norton was most likely behind the camera as far as fight choreography goes because we are treated to two very good fight scenes in this film. And I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before at some point or another. But we have the great fight scene with Chuck Jeffries. Uh, a favorite of ours from Honor and Glory, Blood Moon, etc. Uh, so they have a fantastic fight scene. He plays a Jamaican uh, pit fighter to the death uh, whose accent changes throughout the movie. It's his yeah, own it voice at some points. Then it's like an ADR uh, post dub of someone else doing his voice. So yeah. it's like 
at some points, it's Jamaican, and I'm pretty sure when Chuck Jeffries is doing it, it's Jamaican. And then <laughs> when it's not him, he kind of talks like this, sort of. And it's just completely yeah. incoherent. And I apologize <laughs> about my Jamaican accent, but that's kind of the accent that it is it, in the film. It, it's a, it, it's needs, a, it needs to be uh, talked about because it is it is a third character in this film when when Chuck Jeffries is being dubbed by somebody else. And the 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 polar opposite voices that come out of Chuck Jeffries' character is is. Uh, is something to be noted. Definitely something to be noted. But anywho, so they have a great fight scene uh, in a temple, yeah. great, fantastic lighting. And that's the thing. The, these films, low budget films back then, and Scott Atkins has been talking about this on some of the uh, like YouTube shows he's popped up on recently, like Viking Samurai and stuff. And he's, he's talked about this forever, about they keep decreasing the shooting days for his film. So he has like 20 days, blah, blah, blah. The thing about B-movies back then, and Scott Atkins brought this up, is the fact that these films also had larger budgets than even his does now and longer shooting times because although they wouldn't even get released in theaters or when they did they would bomb they made a killing on vhs rentals and sales and so that's why you watch a film like this and it's it shot like a normal movie it's obviously shot on film this is pre-digital and when mm-hmm. you get like the fight scene with him and uh chuck jeffries even from a cinematic standpoint there's some very like cool like crane camera shots and movement and it's just beautifully done and uh, you're sort of like wow agreed. this is a step above you know what should be a z-level exploitation film absolutely and i think i think that's a great point that you're making because with with like a film like death fighter or death fight uh what you get is with the VHS rental, for instance, you actually get a direct income from a title. What what's the what the difference that exists today is with streaming services, it is it's about content being uploaded to a particular service, but there isn't that buyer direct funding for a title. So that's why the direct to video, the the these films had such great film qualities. I mean, we've talked about this with other films like the particularly like the martial law one and two, those films are are shot so beautifully. Mm-hmm. And there was never, I don't think there was ever really hope for those films or a lot of films to actually get in a movie theater like across the country. And that's that's but what people miss from the straight to video genre are these gems and this this movie in particular has those two fight scenes yes. that just I, I've seen the movie twice the VHS copy that I had ended up breaking <laughs> uh, so and it breaks right in the middle of the Ron Verican film I tried to splice it and tape it together myself but I still remember that scene it is so well done yeah, and the the thing is, so the second fight we're talking about, he fights Ron Vreekin, who uh, is, I believe Thank he's you. actually based in Australia, but originally from uh, Holland or so forth. He's a very yeah. high-level Kyokushin karate fighter and mm-hmm. amongst other martial arts, if I'm not mistaken. I, I didn't have the time to do the research before this, but in the past. Uh, and I believe he is a Kyokushin champion. But anywho, they have a great one-on-one fight scene in his dojo. This character has a dojo uh it's awesome looking, you know, it's got weapons everywhere and it's got the floor mats. And what this is, it's one of the first early real MMA fights because it's predominantly when they're standing, it's very kickboxing-esque, great kickboxing yes. choreography. Richard Norton is using that Jet Center, Benny the Jet, Yukita Khan, and Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham 
kickboxing style. And Ron Vreekin is definitely using that Kyokushin style, you know, which is very similar to kickboxing. And they're going back and forth. But then it transitions into the grappling and they both start doing grappling. And what we have is very authentic judo wrestling mm-hmm. and brazilian jiu-jitsu and yes not just people like pretending and you'd see <laughs> even as early as the 70s kung fu movies when they were like trying to do judo and holds and stuff it would be them just like oh yeah i saw it and i think it looks like this and it just totally looks hokey and wrong because it is uh that's why even when we were talking about uh she shoots straight uh a while back and Samo puts that guy in uh a rear naked choke and I, as I said, it was an actual proper rear naked choke. And that stood out yeah. because you're like, oh, wow. Uh, but so most of the time, that's not the case. However, in this one, it is. And by this point, you know, uh, Richard Norton had already been training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu for, mm-hmm. I mean, he started like, we'll even, uh, we'll just say the late 80s. So it'd be, oh, okay, like five or six years. He had been training extensively with uh, the Machado brothers and uh, the Gracies. And so his Brazilian jiu-jitsu was already probably pretty high level at that point. To this day, I mean, he's very high level. He's like a third degree black belt, I think, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and has his own line of affiliate schools and so forth. But in this fight sequence, we get to see him do some real high level Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And the flow of the fight between the striking and the grappling is fantastic. And this is one of the very first examples of a well-done MMA fight that most people have not seen. And yes, I mean, obviously, it's still a cinematic fight. So people be like, oh, that's not exactly how you do it. Yeah, I get it, homie. But uh, that is the the stellar part of this fight sequence. So if you want, try, maybe it's on YouTube. Just put Richard Norton versus Ron Vreekin. Vreekin is V-R-E-E-K-E-N. And you'll definitely get a treat. A final note on this film. The one disappointing part is the finale because it's kind of more one of those like explosions and shoot them up like military type thing. And then he ends up fighting the evil stepbrother who is not a martial artist. And so it's kind of a disappointing thing. But he, 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 He's fought that actor in a few movies, I think, in Kick Fighter and Revenge of the Kick Fighter. And one of those, he becomes his like partner or friend. I, I get a little confused. I think in, in, in Kick Fighter, he's his friend, but he also wears a hood at one point and fights against Richard Norton, if I'm not mistaken, that actor. But yes, it does become, it does kind of fall apart there at the end. But if from a comfort film perspective, you've got a great Richard Norton lead and some great fight sequences and those fight sequences if i'm not mistaken with ron freaking uh were shot definitely before rage and honor Two hostile takeover and they have a couple of nice fight sequences in that so you can actually see that building on screen chemistry relationship and then of course they're uh he's in richard norton's under the gun which yeah. has a great fight sequence they we need to we're going to be together. we're going to be doing an episode on that uh yeah standalone uh one day but anywho okay my next one uh this is definitely a favorite of mine haven't seen it in a while but uh more so just because it's hard to get a copy of it these days, but it's the 1995 Richard W. Munchkin directed Fists <laughs> of Iron, starring Mr. Okay. Michael Worth, Marshall Teague, Sam Jones, Flash Gordon mm-hmm. himself, Eric Lee, and Matthias Hughes. So this is a straight-to-video one, once again from 1995, directed by... Mr. Munchkin, who uh, did one of our favorites that we did an episode out out on Out for Blood with Don the Dragon Wilson. So, uh, Fists of Iron is uh, stars Michael Worth, one of my all time favorite uh, '90s action movie stars, who I'm I'm happy to say I've become friendly with over the years. You know, we've I uh, I always jokingly show him that picture when we first met at Dragon Fest in uh, 
was it 2001 or two? And he always laughs because uh, I've obviously aged. I was only 15 or 16, but he hasn't really, which is crazy. He's like a vampire. But uh, anywho, uh, Mr. Michael Worth is uh, one of his mid 90s films. And it's your basic setup. It's a guy he's we, we don't really he's just a very talented kind of street fighter. Uh, and his best friend gets killed in kind of like a, uh, I don't know how you describe it, like a, pretty much they go to this fancy party where people watch, you know, people, uh, they're, they're watching, like, it's like uh, people fight. That, that's like the entertainment. Yeah. He volunteers to fight, ends up dying from his injuries. So Michael uh-huh. Worth's character decides that he's going to train to enter like the next tournament and beat the guy that killed him. Uh, and in the process also falls in love with the, the main villain played by Marshall Teague, who runs the event uh, with his mistress. But the reason I like this film, first Wait, of you, all, you're saying he falls in love with the mistress, the of mistress, Marshall not Marshall Teague. Yeah, it sounded like he falls in love with Marshall. My Teague. apologies. Uh, but I, I'd, I'd, you know what? Marshall Teague's we a talented enough actor where Marshall he could pull Teague. off anything like that, as is Michael yes. Worth. Uh, exactly. However, probably not would it make my comfort films list. But uh, anywho. So the reason I like this film is right out the gate, we already have great fight scenes because Michael Worth's character is already a very talented martial artist, uh, not just like a rough and tough street fighter. We don't get any background really on his character and why he's good at martial arts, but it's not necessarily, uh, you know, a deterring factor to the, the narrative of the story. But then once his best friend is killed, he uh, stumbles upon two pretty much kind of washed up martial artists with uh, Sam Jones and Eric Lee, where uh, if I'm not mistaken, Eric Lee was the fighter and Sam Jones was his trainer. But then Eric Lee got crippled in a match uh, fighting uh, one of our villains fighters years ago. So pretty much they all team up to get revenge against this guy. And uh, we've got some great training sequences. So that's nice. And then we've got just a crap ton of fight scenes. Because even before the finale, they, you know, Michael Worth's character starts entering like underground street fight tournaments so they can like, you know, get him prepared, get him ready, get him psyched up. And uh, this is definitely the, in my opinion, the best choreography that Art Camacho has ever done. He's the choreographer Mm -hmm. of this film. But also a lot that has to do with... uh, the fact that who he's working with yeah well not 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 just that but if i'm not mistaken and i didn't look this up uh and i tried uh i'm not even sure if it is on the imdb credits but i remember when the last time i watched it through amazon prime it actually cut off halfway through the credits so you couldn't read technically like who the uh the fight choreographer was but i'm pretty sure it's our camacho but what i'm trying to say is i believe that for the technical advisor for Jeet Kune Do stuff that Jerry Poteet was actually on there, who was uh, Michael Worth trained at the Inosano Academy, but he also trained under Jerry Poteet. And that's why one of the reasons I like this film is that it actually has some oh. of, in my opinion, what's the best Jeet Kune Do stuff on screen. A lot of great yeah, trapping yeah. hands and rapid fire punches. And once again, you know, there's different opinions on JKD and lineages and who's authentic, who's not, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. I think, in my opinion, this is one of the best displays of Jeet Kune Do on screen because Michael Worth's character uses a lot of it. A lot of, you know, the close range trapping, punching, and just the way they film it and the way it's captured is fantastic. Very hard hitting. Uh, I love that you brought this film into into this list because it's been a long time since I've seen it. And I think I've either seen it one and a half times or two and a half times. The half time is because it came on tv or was on tv as i was switching channels and i just finished it uh this is a fun film 
that is extremely well executed and it kind of just has a really good feel to it as well and i'm looking at the imdb uh, right now with the additional crew and it does have our camacho jikundo sequences staged by slash fight director and then has michael worth jikundo sequences staged by so it's actually pulling out the fact that there are jikundo sequences even within imdb which does speak to uh, what you're talking about right. about and how it being such a high level Jikundo film. There are there are a lot of names here, and I believe there's got to be at least one more person involved. In well, that I, I see as a fight choreographer, they have Randall Shiro Adishi, who was one of the yes. fighters in the film. Uh, yes, and I, I, you know, maybe we'll be able to find it later. Yeah, because I see also Michael Worth Jikundo sequences staged by. But and that's the thing, Art Camacho in some of his films did some cool like trapping hand stuff. But in this mm-hmm. film, it's like very brief, right? Like he even had Don the Dragon doing some of that in Redemption. But yep. in this one, I guess because maybe because that's Michael Worth actually has the background in it. That's why they were able to do it so extensively and why it came off so good and probably why this is my favorite in terms of Art Camacho's fight choreography because as you said, the people he's working with, because we also get some great like kickboxing style action. And Michael Worth is just so good, not only so at the close range, but his kicks also fantastic kicks. And that has to do with him. He's talked about it on his podcast, growing up, loving the Kung Fu movies, like his favorite guys, Tan Tao Liang, AKA Flash Lakes Tan. And you know, his background in Tong Sudo. And you see just what a talented performer he was, because there's a lot of guys that, you know, maybe they're, you know, even looking back at Kung Fu movies, you have the Southern Kung Fu performers who have this incredible upper body movement and good kicks, but you know, not as crazy kicks. Then maybe you have a Northern guy who can do all these crazy kicks Mm -hmm. and his hands aren't as good. Right. But this is kind of a modern day example of a guy who's got the whole package. So just lots of fight scenes, great straight to video action. Once again, this one, not necessarily shot uh, as high, uh, not shot like a theatrical release because this one is definitely straight to video, but still a lot of fun. Uh, cool story that, you know, once again, you're not, this isn't Shakespeare, but it definitely keeps you involved in the film. Great performances, a great cast. Like when you have someone like Sam Jones in there, right? You know, and you've got Marshall Teague, uh, you got Matthias Hughes, who's a very intimidating villain. You got Eric, uh-huh. I want to say it's probably one of Eric Lee's best roles where it's that right combination of kind of his humor and lightheartedness, but not too over the top, like in some of his previous films where it's more so, okay, the gimmick is getting kind of old right like uh you know uh with uh don the dragon wilson in uh uh oh my gosh okay which uh uh don the dragon wilson not blood (laughs) which blood fist no 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 no. the other one oh dang it uh i know exactly what you're talking about uh come on oh my gosh and we've talked about uh with dale jacoby uh oh my gosh why can't i all right i'm looking it up wow we are we're having brain farts today we are not on top of our uh it, it's it's a series ring of fire series. ring of fire thank you thank you yeah so for example in ring of fire his character it's it's a little over the top it's like okay we get it we get it this one it's like that right balance and uh it just works perfectly so that's my uh number three entry are you very, ready very nice entry thank and you it's, it's inspired me to go rewatch it excellent are you ready for number four indeed i am okay let me just take a drink real quick and i apologize everyone you may have heard my straw a few times it's my my post-workout slash breakfast drink. Mmm, tasty. Oh, it's good. Okay, so my next one is the 1979 Jackie Chan directed and starring 
fearless hyena. That's my impression of the opening uh, credits where it's like that weird sound. Anywho, fearless hyena. Uh, Huge nostalgia factor, not to mention just one of the greatest kung fu movies of all time. But the fact that, once again, this was like the one of the first box sets I bought. VHS, Jackie Chan box set. I've talked about this. They had two different ones. But the only one at my Best Buy was the one that had Fearless Hyena, Dragon Fist, To Kill with Intrigue, Shaolin Wooden Men, and New Fist of Fury. Uh, I, I think I'm, that is literally a, a box set that is being released right now. By, oh, I uh, saw that. Shout Factory. Yeah, yes. but no, but they're also doing Snake and Crane Arts of Shaolin, which was in the other one. So the other one had Snake and, yep. Art, uh, Snake and Crane Arts of Shaolin, Half a Loaf of Kung Fu, uh, mm. Spiritual Fist, like all these ones that I ended up seeing later, not really liking as much. So that's why I'm yep. glad I got the other one. But anywho, yes. Fearless Hyena is just one of the greatest Kung Fu movies of all time. And the fact that I... I Got it at this age. I think I was in, you know, like seventh grade uh, when I got it. Probably shortly after the Bruce Lee box set, if I because I had the TV and I remember watching it in my room. Uh, but yeah, it's just first of all, incredible, incredible fight sequences. This is following Jackie's release from when Jackie got uh, loaned out from Lowway Pictures to Seasonal Films mm-hmm. and did. Snake and the Eagle Shadow and Drunken Master, two classic kung fu movies where he got to work under Yuan Wuping and with Ng Si Yun as a producer behind the scenes and uh, so forth. Uh, and so with these films, I feel like Jackie, whoop, excuse me. I just wanted to double check something. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, so Jackie got to hone his craft. He got to do his style, but he also yes. got to do it under the tutelage of some fantastic auteurs in a sense, right? And so we get these two films. He gets to really work his magic. We get to see that he had just not been able to put it all together correctly. And in these films, he did. So even though he couldn't get out of his low-way contract, he comes back and he's like, look, Loway, I'm going to direct this next movie. And it's probably at that point, Loway's like, well, shit, I need to make some money off of you. So I'm not letting you out of the contract because now you're a huge star, but I'll let you direct it. So what we get is Jackie... You know, taking what he learned over these last two films and then making mm-hmm. this incredible picture uh, that has just some real phenomenal fight sequences throughout. I mean, we have different types, right? We have the first half of the movie has some great kind of training sequences with uh, Jackie and his grandpa played by James Tien. One uh, one sequence in particular where they have a great uh, staff, a bow staff fight or pole fight. Uh, but the first half is kind of more comical because Jackie's trying to hide his identity as he works pretty much as a instructor or more so Mm -hmm. enforcer for a kung fu school uh, Uh because they pay him to beat all the challengers so they can get new students so it's a lot of him in disguise there's even he does a whole fight sequence in drag so it's kind of you know a little dated it's a little hokey but still the fight sequences are phenomenal Uh, spoiler alert halfway through the film when the villains that have been chasing Jackie and his grandpa their whole lives there because they're after their clan uh, kill Jackie's grandpa because of Jackie uh, exposing himself and the style to the public that's how they find them he decides he needs to train with his grandpa's best friend well he ends up his grandpa's best friend the unicorn finds him trains him uh, in a special style of kung fu so that he can defeat the clan that's hunting them down uh, who's led by the evil Yen Shi Kwan uh, who is just one of the greatest villains in kung fu film history this particular character uh, mostly because of the classic English dub version where he talks like this <laughs> baby and you, and you uh-huh. did that quote the first time that AJ was trying to stump me. That's the quote he pulled. And I will tell you, 
I was stumped. Yep. <laughs> Baby. But just some phenomenal fight sequences. And it's, yes, there's also, once again, hokey comedy with Dean Sheck. But of all D- of Dean Sheck's hokey it's, comedy sequences, it's my favorite, I think. I, I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you completely. It, it definitely uh, exceeds his, hey, we're just dropping Dean Sheck in to do some uh, sticky finger in half a loaf of Kung Fu. This is, this is him doing as... I don't know, kind of kind of not saying he's a trailblazer, but Jackie Chan is the trailblazer and giving him a role that fits Dean's character. This is such a great pick, by the way. Uh, it's it echo it for me, Fearless Hyena and Young Master, they kind of echo each other. They're two sides of the same coin, but they're different because of of where Jackie was within his career, which is I mean, this these are almost right back to back, if I'm not mistaken. But this fearless hyena is is the first moment where we truly get to see a hint of the full potential that Jackie Chan is going to unleash on audiences. Yeah. It's it it's a totally fun film. I feel like it's also the first one where we really see how jacked Jackie Chan is. I mean, like, cause he's just like at his physical peak almost in this film, just yeah. Just insanely ripped. But uh, the cool part is with the 88 films release with the special features, and I believe I sent it to you afterwards, I got to see there's like an alternate kind of obviously Japanese cut with a different Japanese theme song. And I mm-hmm. believe it, because in Japan, I, I think it was released as like Laughing Monkey yes. or something. And so this song and like uh, trailer and everything I sent over to Gavin, it's awesome. And you can find it on YouTube, I think. So just look up like Fearless like Hyena Japanese theme. Yeah, monkey paw something. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's it's so it's fantastic. Awesome, it's, and it's uh, I don't know, it's just it's such a great pick, such a great film. It, it's it, I think it's overlooked because of everything that happened before and after it, but it really isn't overlooked either. Just when you're talking about Jackie Chan's, you know, career of 30, 40 going on fifty years. Well, like, y- you are hundred percent correct in a sense because it's that one movie he did. Uh, so pretty much the two films that kind of fall in between the seasonal films, Snake and the Eagle Shadow, Drunken Master, and then when he managed to get out of his contract and start working for Golden Harvest and did The Young Master, in between yep. he had Fearless Hyena, and then they also released Dragon Fist finally, even though that was filmed beforehand. So these mm-hmm. two pictures, two of Jackie's greatest, like we love Dragon Fist, we did a whole episode on it, uh, fantastic film, uh, and that one is in that box set that's coming out. Uh, I know. Yeah, uh, and oh, I'm getting yeah. it. But oh, uh, I, I know, I know. These two films sometimes are, as you said, kind of overlooked. Even Fearless Hyena, for how well established it is, some people it, you know, doesn't fall on their radar and they've missed it. So definitely pick up the '88 films version of it. You'll love it. It is a fantastic film. Right out the gate, starts with an amazing fight sequence uh, with Eagle Han Ying, uh, who has a cameo in it. And yeah, pick it up. That's my number four entry. Are you ready for my number one entry of today's Kung Fu Comfort Films list? I certainly am. And just to do a quick recap, numbers one through four. Sure. No no specific order. Bruce Lee, uh, the legend. Yes. Death Fight, a.k.a. Rage. Available on Amazon Prime, I believe, to yeah. watch. Fists of Iron. Fearless Hyena. And now your number one Kung Fu Comfort Films of this fourth installation or part three, part B is. is and I'm 99% sure I haven't done this one. I did the first film of this series because I, I wrote that down. But 
Today is No <laughs> Retreat, No Surrender uh-huh. 3, Blood Brothers. The 1990 film directed by Lucas Lowe, written by the great Keith Strandberg, and starring the martial arts competition legend Keith Vitale, multiple world mm. karate champion. Also starring kung fu legend Lauren Avedon, a very high-level taekwondo practitioner. Incredible performer, one of the greatest kickers of all time, as well as supporting roles from such actors as Joseph Campanella. And then we also have Rian Hunter playing the villain of Franco. Now, this film, and I've talked about this film, and maybe it, it's it's ended up on other lists, and I, I don't think it made it on a Kung Fu Comfort Films list. It, it wasn't it, I can I can verify it hasn't because every time we do the Kung Fu Comfort Films. I'm thinking he's going to drop this film. He's oh, okay. And then you never do. Yeah, so now I finally dropped it. So I had this on VHS. First time I ever watched it, though, was I caught it on uh, either Telemundo or Univision, or the finale. And I turned it on, and I, I was such a nerd that... And keep in mind, the, the, the internet was still relatively new at this point, but I had just read so much on every like martial arts movie. Even if I hadn't seen pictures from it, I would if I could find something on TV without having to look in the TV guide first, I can usually guess what movie it was. That's how much of a nerd I was. So I happened to be flipping through the channels on my 13-inch TV in my bedroom. So I only had like five channels to flip through. And... I see this clip and I'm like, oh, and I think I must have recognized uh, maybe Keith Vitale or Lauren mm-hmm. Abaddon. I'm like, oh, this has to be No Retreat, No Surrender, Three Blood Brothers. And I got to catch the ending of that fight scene. And I've been looking for this film already for a long time. So I remember I was just like, you know what? This is the next one I'm going to find on VHS somewhere. So I pretty much had three different places where I could look for VHS tapes. Blockbuster and Hollywood Video and Series California. And then Rippin' Video in Rippin', California at the two different places, Mom's House, Dad's House. So the thing to keep in mind, when you went to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, they were these locations were always massive. So you couldn't possibly know every film in there. You could take a whole hour just going through like the action section and going through every single tape in there. And so I did find No Retreat, No Surrender 3. Uh, I, I honestly can't remember it would have probably been hollywood video but so i end up finding it and i end up <clears throat> making a copy of the vhs tape on a double <laughs> vcr we had don't come after me fbi i believe the statute of limitations is over after 20 something years but uh and just being blown away by this film it's one of my all-time favorite american-made martial arts movies and maybe that was a list it made i don't recall but as far as a kung fu comfort film i will put this movie on any day any time I'm desperate for that to get a Blu-ray re-release and I will be the first one to buy it. You have it's that combination of American style action films with Hong Kong style choreography because it's a very international team uh, behind the camera. And you have performers, very high-level martial artists, who said Lauren Avedon, uh, who came from the Jun Chong uh, Taekwondo school, very famous, you know, working with the Ree brothers and stuff. So as far as his martial arts skills go, you know, second to none. Incredible. Then you have Keith Vitale, who's one of the greatest karate point fighters of all time. You, uh, absolutely. You, yeah. Absolutely. Now, I was, going, I was actually going to say, I know he's been in some great films like uh, Spartan X, Wheels on Meals. We get a glimpse of his of of his caliber on film. But would you say that this is perhaps his best on screen performance? Without a doubt, because he really didn't necessarily get to do much 
in terms of being in front of the camera. He did. I mean, obviously we see him in Revenge of the Ninja, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but he doesn't get to do as much. He's playing second fiddle to show Kazugi and it's not Hong Kong style choreography. He's great in Wheels on Meals. But once again, second fiddle, you know, he's not the main attraction in that film. It's Benny and Jackie fighting. Uh, I mean, yeah, he pops up uh, on uh, Blood Moon, but the other mm-hmm. film that would maybe rival this one would be Super Fights, where he plays the yep. lead yep. villain. And so it, it would be a, a close tie. But I think that in this film, being the protagonist, being the good guy, but also getting to play this great role of the cocky brother, right? Like, yes. you know, because there's this whole love-hate relationship between the two brothers, mostly hate and then becomes more love again. But I just think it's the best character he's ever got to play and it suited him the best. Uh, And the, uh, yeah, as far as martial arts on screen, it's a very close call. This one I'm gonna, maybe just because he gets to display more and it has a little more of that D and B Hong Kong flair to it. Yes, Super it fights we've talked about, we love has incredible Hong a hundred percent Hong Kong style fight sequences. But I like this No Retreat No Surrender three because they're slightly more grounded in reality, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit. It kind of has that darker D and B type film feel to it, uh, and that's why maybe I'd go with this one. But yeah, tons of great fight sequences in this film. Just uh, incredible. You know, I love the music, which I believe is uh, done by. Uh, Richard Lowe, maybe Lo- Lucas Lowe and Richard Lowe are related, or maybe that they just chose the same English, or like, or maybe they have the same surname. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's just great film, great relationship between the two brothers. It's these two brothers that pretty much hate each other, but have to team up to avenge their father who's murdered by uh, a terrorist that he was never able to capture during his CIA career. So the one brother, a CIA agent himself, played by Keith Vitale, and has teamed up with his other brother, Lauren Abaddon, who's a martial arts instructor and kind of very uh, uh, opposite end of the spectrum in terms of politics and government and so forth. But they have to put their differences aside to avenge their father. Nonstop martial arts action of the highest caliber with a great finale. Uh, Once again, great music, editing, uh, you know, film style, Slow motion stuff thrown in there a few times. Just very crisp, incredible martial arts on screen. It's definitely an element, uh, a product of its time. And I mean that in the best way. They just don't make it movies like this anymore. It's a great time capsule of late 80s, early 90s. Because once again, this was technically 1990. But eh, just an awesome film that everybody should seek out to watch. I, I agree with you completely. I would say that there are some standout straight to video films uh, obviously there there are a lot if you just look at our comfort list this one uh this one just works from start to finish it does have that dmb feel to it and dmb for reference is one of the like they did skinny tiger fatty dragon correct uh or no am I wrong? Uh, we're talking like the in the line of duty series was uh okay. in the magnificent feel, warriors thought, uh yeah. You know, yes, matter, uh, royal warriors, etc. Uh, Tiger Cage series, but no, they didn't do Skinny Tiger, Fatty Dragon. Okay, well, it just, it just, I just want to reference it. It has like that kind of like fast, hard, quick kickboxing style, uh, and it's just. If I feel like it's shot a little wider than some American films. I could be. I mean, you know this film better than I do, so I, I, I my, my viewing of this film is limited to some VHS rentals. I never uh, broke the law for this film. 
uh, because I probably didn't have a second VCR on my house at the time. But this is just a really great selection. It is a film you can lose yourself in. It's a film that you can watch start to finish and fully enjoy. Uh, and it's it's a great way to cap off that uh, like a trilogy although this i feel like the series could have gone to part four and part five and even still could well technically it could because none of the films were related so it's, it's like blood <laughs> well, fist if you or, wanted, i know yeah but if you wanted to relate them yeah it, i feel like we've these talked two about doing an actual direct have. sequel to this film and how it could still be done because both of these gentlemen are still amazing martial artists uh no from retreat, what we've seen no retreat no surrender for Blood Brothers 2. Well, remember, or we're talking no retreat, no surrender, Blood Fathers, because now they're fathers, oh. right? Like, yeah, or Blood like Uncles, because, you know, we have some different premises uh, to the way the story would go. But anywho, we are at our time limit. Uh, this was my list today. I hope you all enjoy, and I hope you all can find these pictures to watch definitely seek them out if they are not easily available and unfortunately none of these really necessarily are but once again amazon prime is always a great resource because even if it's not free you can rent it or sometimes they you can watch it through like imdb tv or uh any of those other uh streaming services that have commercials uh definitely seek these out any closing notes my friend you know i'll just say uh when you hear this episode see it posted Tweet to us, go to our uh, Instagram, new Instagram page at Martial Arts Mania Podcast and leave a comment about your comfort films. Yes. We'd love to hear what you guys are watching, what your comfort is, and we'd like to check it out and maybe we can talk about it on a future podcast. We'd love that. And I actually did get some requests uh, from a friend of mine from college. So maybe we'll be I doing like one of those episodes soon. But anywho, my friend, this has been fun and it has uh, been. I'll catch you later. Sounds good. Peace, homie.